Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Michael. Sylvia Whitlock was born in New York City, was educated through high school in Kingston, Jamaica. She earned a BA in psychology from Hunter College. She worked for the United Nations as a statistical clerk before moving to California to start a career in education. In California, she went on to earn a PhD, cum laude, in education. Later, she also earned another master's degree in marriage and family therapy. In 1982, while an elementary school principal in Duarte, California, she was invited to join the history-making Rotary Club of Duarte. This club was chartered in District 5300 in 1952, but just before its 25th birthday in 1976, the club violated Rotary's bylaws by inviting women to join, ultimately causing its charter to be revoked by Rotary International. Undeterred, the club renamed itself the ex-Rotary Club of Duarte, and its members continued on their quest not to be outcasts of one excuse me, of one of the greatest humanitarian organizations in the world. Sylvia became president of the club in 1987, the year the United States Supreme Court ruled that the club be reinstated, thus making her the first woman in the Rotary world to head a club as president. She has served in many capacities for Rotary, including speaking around the world. Sylvia considers Rotary to be the best vehicle for humanitarian ventures ventures in service to mankind. Sylvia is a multiple Paul Harris fellow and benefactor. She has three adult children, Meredith, BJ, and Arlen. Her book, Women Also Serve, published in 2015, is filled with facts and personal antidotes and shares a compelling history of the Duarte Rotary Club. Sylvia Whitlock was the first president in Rotary International and I'm proud to have served as president of this club while she was district governor of 5300. Please welcome Sylvia Whitlock. Thank you. You can hear me, right? You never know when you're saying that. Um, <clears throat> this, I think, is my second or third visit to this club. Of course, <clears throat> a couple of people have been born since I was last here at the club. There's at least one person here who wasn't around. And it's interesting for me to see a domesticated Michael. And I don't mean domesticated because he's a father. I've never seen him stand on one spot this long as he does to run the club. He's always busy, busy, busy here, there, and everywhere. So it's really interesting to see Michael in this role. It's interesting to see all of you I, uh, who I saw the first time. So here I am, and Randy almost gave my whole speech. <laughs> anyway, here we are. And I like to say we're on the edge of tomorrow, 
as uh, Rotary Club. And our tomorrow, you know, uh, Sidra and I were trying to figure out what to do about tomorrow. We're talking about the baby, and we're talking about babies and children in general, and how different it is for children today, because we don't teach them the things that we were taught when we were growing up, some of us. And perhaps the things to which we expose them are the very things that create the problems that we have in the world today. You know, I like to think that when Star Wars came, it was kind of unfortunate that it was called Wars, because it was the beginning of the video wars that kids are exposed to so often today. So that killing becomes commonplace, whether you're killing a robot or you're killing a person. So think about that when you're raising your kids and when you're teaching your kids and what you want them to learn and what you want them to, to see. We're on the edge of tomorrow. And one of the tomorrows we will see is a tomorrow without polio. It's almost gone now. And it was starting just when women came into Rotary. Um, and just, just the, by the way, before I forget, someone said, one nation under God, not one nation under God. I wrote a book called Women Also Serve. But it's women also serve, not women also serve. Okay, so remember that when you think about it. Okay, and it's about, the, it's about women and Rotary. So we're talking about polio. Polio is only endemic in three places now. In Nigeria, and it's almost gone, in probably a couple of months, Nigeria will have fallen out for the second time. It's gone out of India. It's endemic in Pakistan and Afghanistan, and you understand what some of the problems are there. Uh, it'll be gone, because that is what uh, Rotary is all about. So it's been more than 30 years since women were admitted to Rotary. How many of you knew? There was a problem 30 years ago with women. How many of you didn't know? Oh, some of you knew, and some of you knew, I know, that there was a problem with women in Rotary. Um, I knew because I was invited by the superintendent of schools. I was a principal in Duarte, and I was interested in serving the community because that's what principals do. If you don't get your community going together, it's kind of hard to get your school going together. And so Dickey was superintendent of schools. And by the way, I get a lot of attention because I was the first woman president in Rotary. The attention really belongs to Dick Key. He was the person who invited women to Rotary. And you can't join a Rotary club unless you're invited. He invited women to Rotary. Dick passed away a couple of years ago. And I like to think that maybe he's turning over or sitting up in his grave wherever he is every time somebody mentions women in Rotary, because this was his thing. This was what he did. And it was not at all what I did. I just happened to be there when it happened and learned how to behave, because I didn't always know how to behave. Learned how to be dignified and how to represent Rotary. And I'll tell you a little bit about that story. So Mary Lou Elliott was the first woman who walked into a Rotary Club meeting with men. And she was also a uh, principal. She was a principal in the same district where I was. But when Dick said, we're going to have you join Rotary, I had no clue what Rotary was. I had never heard of Rotary. That's not an uncommon thing. Most people have never heard of Rotary until they're invited to join. And then they think, what is that? You know, I knew about Kiwanis. I tell everybody, I knew about Kiwanis. 
You know what Kiwanis means? It means waving to get into Rotary. <laughs> Somebody from Kiwanis told me that story. Virgin. But I knew about elks because I spent a lot of years in New York and we'd see elks walking down the street in those interesting hats and you'd say, what are those? And somebody said, they're elks. And you say, oh, I knew about elks. I didn't know anything about service clubs. But I knew also about lions because as a school principal, I knew that they provided the eyeglasses for the students in school who needed them. But I had never heard about Rotary. But I knew that in my district, once it, was, it came out, is that they were locked into a fight with my school district over the issue of women in Rotary. See, the interesting thing about the whole deal is that women weren't invited to Rotary to, join a po to make a point. They were invited to Rotary because the Rotary Club was seeking more members. And if you remember, way back then, 30 years ago, you had to be in some kind of a managerial or executive position to be asked to join Rotary, and we had a lot of those people. They were school principals, they were journalists, they were psychologists, a lot of those people in the district. And so Dr. Key looked around and he thought, why can't I invite some of these women to join Rotary? He had never seen any women in a club, but he, you know, he didn't bother to check the bios, but he did go to the district governor and he said, is it okay if I invite these women? I have an idea to increase membership in my club. And the district governor, I won't tell you his name because he didn't pass the four-way test. Oh, you guys didn't say the four-way test. Do you say the four-way test at your meetings? Well, he didn't pass. Oh, okay. He didn't pass the four-way test because he said to Dick, yeah, I think it's okay if you invite the women, but when you send their names into international, don't send in their whole names. Just send in their first initials. This way nobody knows they're women. Now, that was designed to deceive, wasn't it? It didn't pass the four-way test. Uh, Rotary International didn't pass the four-way test either because what they, how their response didn't build goodwill and better friendship, not by a long shot. Anyhow, Duarte is this little bedroom community about maybe 10 miles east of Pasadena, where the Rose Bowl Parade comes from. And big City of Hope Hospital is a big business, and the other big business was the school district. And the school district is where Dickey was, and the Rotary Club met in the school district offices. So after Dick talked with the governor, and he said, sure, go ahead, invite them. We all trotted off to Rotary meetings. And then we had an anniversary. It was the 25th anniversary of the club. And when there's an anniversary, Rotary International sends representatives to help observe. You know, these are milestones, and so they send people to your club to help you celebrate. And so they send representatives to help us celebrate. And at that celebration, the Rotarians were introduced. And there were these female Rotarians being introduced and the representatives sitting there thinking, we don't have women in Rotary, what's, what's with this? And somebody said, yes, this Rotary Club has women. So the representatives sat until the party was over and then they went back to Evanston and they reported that there was this little renegade club and we were a little club, about 15 members. In Doherty, this renegade club that had women. 
And Rotary International didn't lose any time to get back to us and tell us three things. Women were not allowed in Rotary. Number two, the women needed to be asked to leave Rotary. And number three, if the women did not leave, if they were not put out, the club had to stop calling itself a Rotary Club. And that's where our first big action came from, because Bill Brooks, who was an administrator at City of Hope, said, okay, we don't want to ask the women to leave. They're going to stay here, and we can't call ourselves the Rotary Club, so we'll just call ourselves the Ex-Rotary Club of Dwardy. And so they just put EX in front of Rotary. They had a Rotary pin made. A Rotary pin was struck with an X across it, and we became the Ex-Rotary Club of Dwardy, and we were the Ex-Rotary Club of Dwardy for 11 years. The only thing that was different at that time, because we continued to do Rotary things in the community, things that served the community, was that we didn't have international projects because we didn't have uh, Rotary's blessing, but we continued to do all the other things that we do. And so someone thought, maybe we ought to ask the Council on Legislation. And Rotary International said, only real Rotary clubs can address the Council of Legislation. And if you have women in your club, you're not a real Rotary club. So we, you know, we knew we, knew we couldn't do that. But the Board of Directors was who we wanted. But we did go to the Council of Legislation, and they just kind of poo-pooed our suggestion. In fact, when the issue came up, it wasn't whether women should be in Rotary, but it was whether the Rotary Club of Duarte had violated international's bylaws by inviting women. And of course we had. We had, without a doubt. And so the vote was something like 1060 to 34 against, you know, voting that we had violated the bylaws and we wouldn't have women in Rotary. But I actually met a couple of years later someone on a train in Calgary. Do you remember when the convention was in Calgary? I was on a train going to a meeting, and sitting across from me was a Rotarian and his wife. And they were going, of course, to the meeting, and we all wear tags, and you know, it's pastime at conventions to see where people are from when you read their tags. And he saw my tag with the name Duarte on it, and he said, are you from the club that invited women to Rotary? And I said, yeah, 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 I'm excited to look at And he said, you know, I voted to have women in Rotary. I was at that at that meeting in Tokyo, and I voted to have women in Rotary, because I always thought there should be, they should be there. And his wife, sweet lady sitting next to him, said, I didn't think so then, and I don't think so now. And I thought, why? And she said, <laughs> some of you are open-mouthed at this. Um, there were more objections from women, because what she said was, hey, our men are going out to meeting at night, and we don't know who they're going to meeting with at night, and so we would prefer not to have men and women meeting together. And that was the, you know, actually it was the women who objected, but they objected because they didn't trust the men, and they didn't know what was going on, so they didn't want to have that meeting at night. Anyhow, she said that, and I, I tried to explain to her that it was not a social club. It was a service club, but she had her mind made up. She didn't want to hear so here we were, women in this club, and 
an attorney from a neighboring club, Sanford Smith, from the Arcadia Club, said, you know, I think we can do something about this. We want to keep the women in the club, and I think we can probably take this to the courts. So Sanford, you know, put a case together, and we gave notice to Rotary International that we were going to take this to the court. And Rotary International petitioned that the case be heard in federal court. The reason was that in federal court a couple of years, years before, a New York club had had a case that had to do with rights of association, which is what, you know, this was rights of association, with whom were you going to associate. And they had won that case in federal court. And so our Rotary wanted to hang on those coattails. But the court ruled that, the, and because they didn't have, their directors weren't all Californians, but the court ruled that the case be heard in a California court. So it first went to a superior court in California. How many attorneys are sitting out here in the audience? And I know you're checking my move. I have a son who's an attorney, and he always says, Mom, get it the right way. It did go to superior court first, a superior court. And the court ruled that Rotary had the right to choose with whom it associated. And so we lost the first round. And we came back, and all, we're all surprised, because we're all sitting in our, what do they call it, hog heaven or something, because we're thinking, you know, we're doing the right thing, you know, there's no way they're going to say no to us, and so on. So we're sitting there really comfortable. And then in comes Stanford with this decision, and we know that we have to regroup. Well, by the time this came out of Superior Court, there were people like the ACLU who had seen what was happening. There was the Seattle Five who was also trying to get women into Rotary and became a friend of the court. And, um, and we knew that we were going to have to look at this seriously. So Sanford regrouped, along with these groups, to present this case to the Court of Appeals. It came out of Superior Court and it went to the Court of Appeals. And the Court of Appeals ruled on this case based on the Unruh Act, uh, which you probably have something that's similar to this in Nevada. We have the Unruh Act in California that bans discrimination in public accommodations. And at that time, when women were invited to join Rotary, and probably 80% of the Rotarians had their dues paid by their, their employers. So it became, it was a huge issue, and it, we met in public places, and so I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the UNRWA Act, let's see if I can find it, because that was the important thing. Uh, the UNRWA Act really came up to protect people who worked in hotels and people who worked in the railroads and so on. Okay, the ONU Act banned discrimination in public accommodations, and, you know, Rotary was public accommodation. It had a classification system, and employers were paying the dues. And it won the case in the Court of Appeals. That was 19... Somewhere around there, about 1986. And based on the UNRWA Act, uh, the, the Rotary Club of Duarte won that case. So that was the year that I was coming in as um, president of my club.
And when you're coming in as president, you get invited to PETS. That's the training vehicle for Rotary presidents, the first office in Rotary. And so I was invited to join PETS. But you know, if you stop and think about it, um, there weren't any other clubs with the women. So there was no reason for Southwest Pets to even change their stationery. They used the same card they sent to all the other clubs that said, be sure to bring your coat and tie because we'll be taking directory pictures. And I got the same postcard. So I got my coat and tie together, and I trotted off to Garden Grove in down near Anaheim, which is where Pets was. Now, at that meeting, there were probably 290 men represented there, and they didn't even have a female guest. I was the only woman there. But you know, I was a school principal, so I'm used to dealing with situations that are harder than that. You deal with 600 kids in the cafeteria having a food fight, it's a lot harder than, than dealing with 290 men. And the men were courteous, the men were nice, they were interested, they wanted to know what we were doing and how we were doing it and so on. But there was a session in PETS on Rotary International and when that was presented, of course, the case came up. And our district governor, coming in, presented the story, and he told the story of the trek through the courts, and he said, Rotary International, when we went to the Court of Appeals, the Court of Appeals would not hear the case, because they really, they, they, they thought, we went to the Court of Appeals, the Court of Appeals, we won the case from them, and then we were asked to appeal to the California Supreme Court. Rotary appealed to the California Supreme Court, and that court would not hear the case, which essentially affirmed what the Court of Appeals said, and that's how I was invited to Pets. And so our district governor-elect told that story, and he said, but Rotary has every intention of appealing this to the United States Supreme Court. See, you this, this gentleman sitting there said, that's exactly what I did. I thought, are we going to take a case about women in Rotary to the Supreme Court? Heck, we're not Roe versus Wade. We're not the Board of Education in Topeka, Kansas. We're not a big issue. But what I was losing sight of was that this was a civil rights issue about women and their positions. And so I kind of laughed to myself, you know. And the district governor said, you know, this is just a little thing being raised up by this little club in Georgia. They have 15 members. It's kind of the mouse that roared. And so I sat there listening to him call our club the mouse that roared, and I made these furious notes, and we went back to Duarte, and we made a new banner, I wish I'd brought one, that said, Rotary Club of Duarte, the mouse that roared. <laughs> and then we even made a mouse pin. We had a mouse pin with a little rotary icon on his back. So we had the mouse pin, we had the ex-rotary pin, and we had the banner. And we went back and we thought, that's okay, we'll do our thing. Now this was the year that, you know, that uh, Polio Plus and everything was going fast and furious in rotary, so we were asked to do a lot of things in rotary. So with the ACLU and everybody behind us, hello, that's okay. Uh, Rotary International did appeal to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, we didn't think they would take the case, but the Supreme Court did take the case. And it took only four months for the Supreme Court to decide the case. And the Supreme Court 
in four months ruled in favor of the Rotary Club of Doherty. And I wanted to read it again, what was said. I just had cataract surgery. I can't see out there with my glasses on, and I can't see here with my glasses on. So I keep looking. Okay. Uh, Sandra Dercano, by the way, was on the Supreme Court at the time, but she didn't vote because her husband was a Rotarian, and she didn't want to create a problem at home. So uh, R.I.'s argument when this case went to the Supreme Court was that the ruling from the, from the Court of Appeals violated their First Amendment right of association. But on May the 4th, 1987, the court found that considering the size, purpose, selectivity, and the exclusivity of Rotary's membership, the relationship among the club's members was not of the intimate or private variety that warrants First Amendment protection. So writing for the unanimous court, Justice Powell argued that many of Rotary's activities, including their meetings, are conducted in the presence of strangers. And because women members would not prevent the club from carrying out its purpose, there was no violation of associational rights. Furthermore, he said, and this is the huge paragraph in that decision. Furthermore, he said, even if there were a slight encroachment on the rights of Rotarians to associate, that minimal infringement would be justified since it serves the state's compelling interest in ending sexual discrimination. And so that was the case. There it was. The decision was now incumbent on all USA clubs. The first one was only incumbent on California clubs. So I was driving to my job as principal of the elementary school when the news came over the airwaves. And we were in California, the news came on in New York, which was three hours earlier. So I switched on the radio, and here was the news, and uh, we didn't expect to get a ruling this fast, and here was the news about the Rotary Club. Takes me about 20 minutes to drive to school from home. And by the time I got to school, I think all the media in the world were in front of the school. They were all down there because they had the news and they wanted to get us top copy. Uh, Warren Olness, some of you may, rem may remember him, was going to uh, do the interviewing for the networks, and so he was there. So we were invited. Mary Lou was at my school because we were busy talking about it, and the superintendent said, all the kids are running around in front of the school and all the cameras are there and everything. He said, you guys need to come down here to the district office and we'll do the interview in the boardroom. So we went to the district office. This is when it really got crazy. Uh, Warren Olney was in the office, Mary Lou Elliott, Dickie and I were there and we were interviewed. And I was asked many questions to which I thought I gave studied and intelligent answers. I mean, I tried my best. Uh, so near the end of the interview, we were already on our feet and I was asked how I got selected to be president. And what do you guys say when they ask you? How do you get selected? Oh, I don't know, I must have missed the meeting. I, today, I can't believe I said that, but I said that. And when I went home that night, the story was the top of the news. Those of you who remember when this happened, it was the first story on the news. And in fact, Warren only probably had four hours of copy. And what he played was, oh, I don't know, I must have missed the meeting. <laughs> and here's the world thinking for 11 years, we went through that for this, you know. But I learned then, because 
I had never been interviewed before. I'd never had that many cameras on my face. And I learned how to be dignified and how to represent Rotary so I didn't make mistakes like that again. In fact, back when we were at PETS, and I told you there were 290 men at PETS and there was only one woman at PETS, and I didn't tell you about the restroom situation, which was kind of ideal, because with 290 men in a, can you imagine? And one woman, there's the long lines outside the men's restroom, and I could just walk by. And, and I was very polite about that, and I didn't make a big deal out of it. And when Warren only talked about, oh, I don't know, I must have missed the meeting, I thought, well, I need to regroup and shape up. So, uh, we didn't get a welcome back from Rotary. We were back in Rotary. We didn't get a welcome back from Rotary. In fact, it was 14 years before the Rotarian magazine even printed an article on women in Rotary. Can you believe that? 14 years. And in that magazine, I tell everybody this, I was the centerfold. <laughs> I was wearing a black turtleneck up to here. I was told to wear a black turtleneck, and I was dressed up to there. Uh, for the magazine, but that, that it took 14 years for uh, Rotary International to settle down enough to write an article in the Rotarian about uh, women. We didn't get a welcome back from them, but we did get a new dues schedule. So we knew, they knew that we were out there. And of course, in 1989, this was 1987, in 1989, Frank Devlin gave a real impassioned plea to the Council of Legislation, and they voted to accept women in Rotary. So, in 14 years later, the Rotarian prints an article about women in Rotary. Now, Rotary has removed, finally, the last vestiges of sexist language, so that now they profit most. Remember, it used to be he profits most who serves them. But now they profit most who serve the best. And even more new, a club may not be chartered, unless its membership is open to both men and women. Open. It doesn't have to be constituted of both men and women. When our membership was included men and women, Rotary sent someone to Dorney to take our charter. It was just removed. We, they came right to a meeting and said, you need to surrender your charter because you're no longer a Rotary Club, and that's when we became the ex-Rotary Club of Dorney. But this didn't start as a woman's issue, okay? but a simple attempt to recruit more members into the club. How successful has that been? Around the world, probably 30% of Rotarians are women. 18% of the Rotarians are women. In the U.S., about 30% of the Rotarians are women. So there's still a lot of room for growth. So that was the beginning of my journey through the institution that's called Rotary. The beginning of my opportunity to serve in an ever-shrinking world, the opportunity to meet men and women who can see and articulate a need and its solution, no matter how difficult the way or how meager the resources. Sam Green was a membership chair around that time, and Sam said, you know, he applauded the action of, of the Supreme Court, and... President Marjorie Ogbe, who was also now our president, said, women serve alongside men in every segment of life, in education, in medicine, in warehouses, and in construction. Why not in Rotary? If the, if the, the objective of Rotary was to serve communities around, you would imagine that they would be interested in getting as many people as they could 
to serve communities and not be concerned about the gender of those people who are serving communities. I have never been able to understand what the gender concern was all about. Nobody's ever explained it well enough. So when this happened, really, I was in a pretty fortunate place. I was just sitting there waiting to be a president. And it's brought such bounty, really, into my life. I've served my district in many positions, most recently as the district governor. And I've had the pleasure of talking to countless clubs like yours. And I've made up in many clubs in other countries, all of whom are fascinated by this story. In fact, Michael would like this. My first makeup was in the Rotary Club of Clapham in London, where Queen Elizabeth and I were toasted on the same glass of champagne. They do that in British clubs, don't they? Yeah, just <laughs> so we were toasted on the same glass of champagne. So my small club went on to do a lot of things, and uh, there are a lot of other things I can talk to you about, and Michael's on his feet, which says to me, my time is probably about up. But so you've heard pretty much most of the story I am glad I was in the place where I was at that time. I'm glad to see so many women out here serving just as we are. And I applaud you to look for more women because there is that growth possibility that's present. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Well, thank you. Sylvia, as a thank you for speaking to our club today, we would like to present a hot meal to a homeless vet in your name, and we will make sure that veteran is a female veteran. So thank you for coming to speak to our club today. Thank you. Thank you. And before we go, I'll just grab baby Samuel. Hold on. Rory is like a babe. Thanks. Rory is like a baby, right? Everything that we do is for the future. We don't invest in today, we invest in tomorrow. Now go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.